Blog Talk Radio. Decoded 
Jay-Z's book, so just trying to culture myself a little bit. Trying to culture yourself with a Jay-Z book? Yeah, you know, because I, I get the, 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 the story that he was telling. I get all of that. I'm trying to figure out why he felt like writing a book about the lyrics we've been listening to for almost 20 years. Okay. I went to the Terry Tobin concert. Okay, yeah, let's, 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 let's talk about that because uh, shout out to our guest from last week. Shout out to Terry. Um, did y'all did y'all sing or anything? Did that did that go down? How was it at Billy's Black? Or at least the performance. You know, do you love her performance? She stopped and attempted. She attempted to get you up there. Yeah. But it I pulled her and she almost had me. I was sliding out my chair and then she gave me an out. And I what did she say? She said something like, I'm not going to something, something. I was already halfway out my chair. Like, she really can't just realize it. But to, needless to say, she put on a fantastic performance. Okay, that's cool. I really would have rather you would have just gotten out of the chair anyway instead of taking the out that she gave you. What song, was you know, what song did she say y'all were going to sing? We were supposed to sing uh, Ain't No Mountain High. And were you ready? Like, were you ready to, you know, be everything that it took for you to be? Marvin of course Gale? I was. I was oh, ready. Man, I, I really wish you, I really wish you had done that. Also, if anyone who missed last week's show, we just posted the show on Twitter, and you'll also notice that the new avatar for our Twitter is the Q-Man and Terry Tobin. So now everybody will see a new picture. And, um, you know, follow us on Twitter at the Neo Soul Show. But, yeah, you know, um, I heard that it was good. I haven't seen these pictures. Do I look fat in the picture? No, you don't. You actually look even slimmer than I remember you. See? See? That's why it was the first thing I did. As soon as I saw it, I immediately changed that Twitter to, to this picture. I appreciate that. Yeah, shout out to the Mighty Ox. T. Berry was in the chat room and hit us on Twitter and was like, is that Q-Man's bullet head I see on Twitter? He's taking shots at you, man. He's taking shots at you. Yeah, I always mess up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, well, since we're, since we're talking about the event, mm-hmm. a couple of things that, that need to be addressed um, okay. with with the event. Q-Man was in the building as we're discussing, and we had an issue with the cover or the entrance fee for the Terry Tobin show at the mm-hmm. Black. And mm-hmm. we were we were promoting that it was $15. Um, their website was showing that it was $15, and then something happened, and it became more than $15. A lot more. A lot more. So... To anyone who um, who showed up and, and had any issues getting in or spent more money than they intended to, uh, that was not a XVL or Neil Soul show um, decision. It was kind of a, a miscommunication. We were not informed that that was um, a mandatory pricing. I think it was a, a $15 minimum food or drink that was charged per person, Q? Correct. Except nothing. No. Yeah, um, 
So it was just it was it was a surprise to all of us. Um, like I said, I wasn't there, so when Q contacted me and let me know that that happened, I was very surprised myself. So again, our apologies to anyone that that affected, anyone who showed up and left, or it affected you know, whatever. me. That that's why that there's an apology being put out. I was really pissed. I could tell by the tone of the text message that you sent me. You know, I, I sat down, and then they came over there with, with the rule, with the, with these menus, and told me what was up. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Now you know, if there was anybody other than Terry, I would have. So what was it before I, I move on or anything? What was it like you and Terry finally being in the same place at the same time? Great, great, funny, active, fun to be around. Her band was fantastic. I met them, uh, talked to them, met her photographer, manager. They were just all good people. That's good. That's good. I was just, I, I knew you would enjoy this show. I wasn't worried about that. I think my only thing was, I was really wondering if Terry was going to be able to get you on stage or not. She she had me. She, she had me. I will say, gave me the out and I took it. Next time Terry is, is on the East Coast or whatever, no more outs, man. If if, if, no, if you get up no. there, you can. Actually, you you mind you mind if um you mind if I ask Terry how everything went last night? What are you what are you talking about? Do you mind if I ask Terry how everything went last night? Or not last night, but this past Saturday. No, I'm not. Not at all. You don't? Oh. Terry, how, how was everything this past Saturday? Well, this past Saturday. You know what? Oh, he's giggling again. He's doing it again. Yeah. Uh, so he, here's the deal. So, I heard him say that he was ready, right? That yeah, is what he said, yeah. right? That is what he said. Now, what I missed was his explanation as to why it didn't happen. Well, that, that's interesting because he said that you gave him an out and he took it. It is me and out. Right at the last thing, I was halfway out. Even the guy that was sitting across from me said, I see you sliding out your chair, just keep going. And then she made a comment that gave me the out. And I, yes, I, I gave him an out after sitting there for quite some time and him saying no, no, I don't want to outstage you, blah, 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 blah. So, so yeah, I gave him it out after giving dead silence to my audience, but, you know, I was really hoping that you were going to do it. <laughs> you had me, you know what, next time I, I'm on air proclaiming, I'm not even going to fight next time. Okay. Do you know what he said to me? See, you know what he said to me? What's he um, After the show? He what? said he never said he was going to do it on stage with me. He said he was going to do it on the radio show, which is really interesting because guess what? We're on the radio right now. Right. So we're on, the, we're on the radio right now, and we have time. we got another 10, 15 minutes, I mean. Is that what you say? Because we actually have the recording from the last show where you said you didn't say you were going to do it on air, you were going to do it at Billy's Black. Exactly. 
let me explain something right now. Well, Please, I, have no, I have no problem doing this. You know, I have agreed to it, but this is all I'm saying. Can't the spot thing. Only thing can do the on the spot thing. I need don't to think know. On the spot. I need to know a little really, bit in advance. No, you know what I mean? I just had to really You're not really on the spot because you knew when my show was. You know, we talked on Wednesday. Wednesday. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, I was disappointed. That's all I can say. You know, I got you though. You mm-hmm. know, I got you. If I knew that, I'd have had it by now. Oh. oh, oh, oh. <laughs> all in all, it was a good show though. Right, because Q was texting me when you got on stage. That it was a, it was a good show. He had a good time once you started. Performing. Oh, good. Oh, good. Yes. Good. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I had a good time. I had a really good time. I was, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I find humor in everything. So, you know, I, I think I was kind of, yeah, yeah. It was fun. No, I try not to. I try not to flirt too much with Q though, because he did have company. But you know, <laughs> but you know, you can look at the pictures and tell that you know I was looking at him with love in my eyes. But you know, whether he returned the gaze, I don't really know. But it's See, Mitch, I'm gonna tell you the real deal later about okay. how Terry was all over. How Terry was what? Oh, oh. I think it was the I think it was the drummer or the guitar guy, Brady. Oh, I saw that. Oh, Honey, yeah, that, that was the real. That was the man. First of all, that was a part of the show. <laughs> Brady is a part of the show. He's one of my employees. Therefore, you heard I don't want a sexual harassment case. So, <laughs> therefore, Brady was just a part of the show. You, on the other hand, you have forewarning. And, you know, it's all good. It's all good. Well, listen, I didn't call to take over your show. I just I just heard him say something, and I wanted to make sure that we had a little bit of clarity that he once again remained I understand. I understand, Terry. I, I tagged you in that tweet for a reason. I had a feeling you'd call him once you saw that. Terry, <laughs> you know I got you. The next time I got you. Okay, next time I'm on the radio or next time I'm on stage? All right, you've got to clarify what I tell you what. I tell you what. Either one. Okay. Okay. So, um, T. Yeah, I got it. Let me, I already got the plan let me know. Mind. Let me know when um, you have space for me on the radio. Okay. And, uh, if I I'm require 24 hours notice. But you got to read your email. You got to read your email, sweetheart. You like love it. you like how it you like how I take him in. I love it. The whole chat room is buzzing. Like he sounds scared. They love how you make him stammer and stutter. Oh, this is love. Oh God, it's all love. I am always <laughs> the same. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. There He's we always go. the same. Okay. Definitely yeah. Well, you guys. Yeah. You guys have a good night. Yeah. All right. Okay. Before you go, are you enjoying Maryland? Am I what? Are you enjoying Maryland? 
Yes, I am actually. I've actually okay. enjoyed a little too much because the food here is too damn good. I just had crab cakes tonight. <laughs> yeah, I'm enjoying it a little too much. But um, but no, thanks for asking. Of course, and you sent me all of those pictures. I trust. Not yet. I haven't gotten them back from the photographer yet, but you will okay. see them. He's yeah. asking about the pictures that we took together. Um, you know, we were coupled up in a couple of the pictures, so he wants to make sure he has, um, you know, evidence. Yeah, that, that y'all were together. Well, you, you get them, you let us know. <laughs> All right, All right you guys, have a good night. Have a good Thank night. You. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. You know, it just happens like that. Like I said last week, man, it's a couple weeks ago. It's called live radio. You never know what what can happen or will happen. You just kind of gotta go with the flow. Jerry's fantastic, though. And, Absolutely. And the show, the show, what? Getting a very small setting was a very, very good show. She came wow. in. And she really. I, I, I believe you. I believe you. I wish I could have been there, but like I said, I was about 20 blocks, not even 20, maybe 30 blocks down the street in Manhattan. Um, I was um, on Broadway partaking in the Motown musical. I was. Um, that was absolutely, I think, um, you know, so we're big fans of Terry. I would think that it was it was comparable. It, it kind of made it okay for what I was missing. It was that good. It was it was it was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Um just uh the story itself, you know, Chronicle and Barry Gordy and how he came up with the idea of Motown, all of the different artists of Motown, the ups and downs, it even touched on the relationship with Diana and, and it just it really it was really, really good. It was comical. It interacted with the audience. They pulled people on stage and they were singing and it was um really, really good. And we and I had the good seats. I was down in the orchestra with the other rich people that take notes like Uncle Ray. <laughs> so it was, it was really, really good and I had an absolutely great time and it's, it's something that I, I'm recommending to any and everybody that is a fan of, of soul music and definitely remembers that time when Motown was, was at its peak and, you know, towards the end of its reign. So it pretty much started from the it went it started from the beginning of Motown and it went all the way to Motown twenty five. Oh, okay. So really, really good. A lot, a lot of people I didn't even know were signed to Motown when they released the hits that I know. It was it was amazing. Everybody, you know, so from from the very beginning of Motown and, and the songs that were written for Jackie Wilson and Smokey all the way to Super Freak and Tina Marie. They showed everybody. Okay, except, Tammy, except, except Tammy Terrell. Except Tammy Terrell. That was interesting. No Tammy Terrell. Really? No Tammy Terrell. They performed You're All I Need to Get By with Diana singing and Barry Gordy singing it. They had someone play Marvin Gaye, but no Tammy Terrell. Very, very interesting. The only question I had about the entire performance was, other than that, an absolutely great performance. So that's where I was at. That's why I missed the Terry Tobin show. A couple of more, couple things that, a couple more things I want to get into before we move on with the mm-hmm. rest of the show. A couple of things I want to get your opinion on, and then I want to bring CEO Uncle Ray Farrell on the line because I know he was at South by Southwest 
this past mm-hmm. weekend. So I know you want to talk about sorry. that. But as far as you were concerned, last week you uh you vented and let everybody know how you felt about the Harlem Shake. Right. This week I kind of want your opinion on the two things that seem to be talked about the most right now, and they both have to be basketball related. First, this twenty four game winning streak that the Miami Heat are on right now. <sighs> Talk to me, man. You know I can't stand Miami. Yes, I do. And they should have lost these last two games, but the fact that they pulled them out, I don't like them. I think they are divas, and there's no place for divas in pro sports. But I can't say but so I'm I'm not really impressed because it's not like they've beaten LA and Oklahoma City and San Antonio multiple times. It's right. not like they're beating the cream of the crop of the NBA. Did they right. beat Boston? Yes, they did beat Boston. They did beat Oklahoma. They beat those teams in the midst of the streak. But if I'm not mistaken, of those 24 games, it might be 80% of them are teams that ain't even going to the playoffs. You're probably right. And those are the teams that probably that played them the best. Sacramento took them to double overtime. Orlando almost beat them. And Cleveland was up to 27 today. They were, and they should have won. And I agree with you. The only thing about it, though, remember, when you're on a streak, you're getting everybody's best shot every night, unfortunately. So I have to give them some credit. Well, they should be. you got the bullseye on your back as the defending champion. You should be getting... I think, I think Michael and the Bulls said that back in the early 90s. You're the defending champ. You get everybody's best shot, period. Right. Whether you want right. a streak or not. So, is what it is. Not a big fan also. And it was something that stuck out to me because of the whole Harlem Shake thing. So, I went back and I watched the Harlem Shake video. And it, they did it while they were in the street. So, now we're having fun. And something I just wanted to get your opinion on. And the other thing is, obviously, it's March. It's March Madness. The tournament is mm-hmm. kicked off. What's your bracket mm-hmm. looking like, Brown? What's your bracket looking like? Um, I definitely think Indiana's going to win. Okay. Um, yeah, the only team that might beat them is Duke. I, def- have, I definitely think win it. Then I will go on a limb right now and be one of the first people to say on air or on something that is recorded radio that I think is going to be one of those historic years where no number one makes the final four. There is no way that that's... I don't see it. You got Duke as a number two, Ohio State as a number two, and Miami as a number two. There's always going to be a number one that just does not show up one game right. and loses, and I think that's going to be Louisville. I don't think Louisville's the number one overall I don't team think in college basketball. They're not that good. That's so, so I think they'll fall short. They're going to be that one seed that probably gets to the Sweet 16 or the Elite 8 and then loses the game. I agree with you that Duke is going to figure it out and probably come out of their region. I think whether I think Miami is going to find some way to stick around in the Indiana game. And Victor Oladipo is going to have to make a, a play late in the game. And he's going to show the world why he's not the nation's player of the year. And then I think that the other number one see Gonzaga is a good team, but just haven't seen enough of them to validate them being number one. They're going to fall short, too. 
Yeah, you might be. Believe it or not, I haven't looked at the actual brackets yet. So I got to really I take have, a look at them. I have three brackets, all exactly the same. I didn't do that jump thing where some people get three different brackets and put three different scenarios. Same bracket, three different sites. And I figure we'll do our brackets and then we'll we'll put the brackets out and, you know, put it on Twitter, put it on the website. Let's see what, right. what Neil's old oh. fan can get the, get the most games right. That's a good idea, man. Did you ever post that big picture I sent you? No, I, I still have it because I, I had a plan for what I was going to post. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later as well. Yeah, what, I wanna do right now, what I want to do right now, bring the CEO on so you can talk about South by Southwest. For a little bit, Mr. Farrell, we got you on the line? You got me on the line. I'm here. And um, I must admit, I was cracking up and somebody was just on the phone a little bit. <laughs> that was funny, too. <laughs> I didn't think it was funny. Yeah, I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I, I, man that, that was funny. But, um... I'm glad, glad to attend uh, the event. I'm sorry we had the incident there, and I reiterate, want to apologize to anybody who came out uh, and, as due to our efforts and uh, and did not get the price they expected. And we want to make sure that whenever we promote an event, that it is as we have promoted it, and that everyone has a wonderful time. And so we're we're going to make sure that in the future that we uh, we endeavor to make that happen. So uh, I do appreciate, man, your your presence and what you did there, and I also appreciate how you put the song. So that was very funny for me. But um, <laughs> getting on to uh, South by Southwest, um, I just want to say it's an amazing, amazing event. And for those who may not be familiar with South by Southwest, it is a a, a multi-faceted festival. Um, it started out essentially uh, as a music festival a number of years ago, and uh, it has morphed into much more than that being really the central technology event in this country, um, and it's not, it's not around the whole world at this point. Um, and so they have the technology component that starts off at the beginning of one weekend, and then it, then it transitions into the film, and then it transitions into the music. And uh, I was essentially there for the music component of it and had a wonderful time. Started out with Bang. I don't know if folks had a chance to see our, our, um, our homepage and our um, Facebook page, but I had a wonderful opportunity to meet one of my icons, Chuck D, as he uh, sat on the panel and I had a conversation with him after it. And so that was real exciting, and uh, I got to take a picture with him. And hopefully we can have some conversation with him on a going-forward basis in terms of potentially doing some things together. So really looking forward to that. Also um, ran into some really good folks in the music industry, folks like Louise West, who's a preeminent um, black entertainment lawyer in this country. Um, had a great opportunity to speak with her. Uh, ran into Rondell McMillan, who's also um, one of the preeminent entertainment lawyers in this country lawyer for Prince and Michael Jackson, so he's doing his thing as well. Um, and wonderful other people who are um, um, really focused on digital marketing and, and promotion in the music business. And so uh, that was exciting as well. But, you know, one of the other major highlights at the end of my um, festival today was really uh, getting to hear uh, and talk to Robert Glasper as well. Um, Robert Glasper of the Black Radio CD that everyone needs to have in their collection right now. Um, did a wonderful set. Uh, he actually had Erica Badu on the set with him, 
and so that was uh, quite an amazing event, and I truly enjoyed that stuff they did. Uh, great opportunity. And uh, I'm going to post a picture that I took with him as well, and we look forward to uh, doing some things with Robert Glasper as well. And uh, so this is my this is what I'm putting down for this year, for next year. Next year, XBL will be doing a meet-up, a meet-and-greet and hang-out with everybody who wants to come down to South by Southwest Festival and hang out with us. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to put something together musically as well, but we will definitely be there in force, and we want you guys to join us. Um, so it's not an inexpensive trip, so check it out right now and start saving because uh, we're going to do something down there next year, definitely. And so excited about that. I do want to quickly touch on this Harlem Shake thing because um, it's one of those phenomenon <laughs> that um, has really kind of intrigued me in the sense that, you know, I remember the Harlem Shake from like 10, 15 years ago, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, why are people just talking about it now? It's just kind of weird that it kind of just exploded out of nowhere, it seems. But, yep. you know, to me, it's one of those examples of really the appropriation of um, of African American culture into the mainstream, and 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 really how it can mutate sometimes and, and turn into something completely different. And sometimes that could be a negative thing. But I'll, honestly, in this instance, um, because of the way that it can it's being used around the world, really as a peaceful protest tool, I, I'm not. Mm-hmm. Kidding, I'm with it. I'm with it. Um, I don't. I don't. I mean, I know a lot of people are are upset because of, of the way it may look. Harlem may may it it, it look. The way it may have <laughs> seem, but um, my whole thing about it is that um, I think the reality is that it is a, a art form, one of the major art forms that we've always always created in terms of dance, and it's now being used as a peaceful protest tool. So I don't have any issue with that. Um, but I'm glad we have an opportunity to talk about those first. So well, and um, and I know that Stephen uh, is going to talk about this a little bit more next. Um, but I do want to encourage people to come out and meet and greet you guys again, um, not this coming Saturday, but Saturday, March 30th. Um, XBL will be in the New York metro area doing their thing um, at uh, at, at um, Corner Social. So um, I want everybody to, to, to have a look out for that. And I also want to have but in the DFW area, check us out on that same day. Um, as we are going to be doing our fame, our now famous uh, Neo Soul Brunch at Bellagio's uh, in Dallas. So uh, we're excited about that. All right. Mm. Everything is good. Sounds good. And uh, thank you, Mr. Farrell, for enlightening us on South by Southwest. Uh, like all the pictures that you were nicely rubbing in our face with uh, Chuck yeah, D. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Some people thought I was trying to brag, but I, mean, I was just—I was in my element. I was just happy to be in the place. I was just—I had a big—I had a Kool-Aid grit on my face. Just happy. That—that that, that you did. <laughs> but we 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 we, we get back with you, and we gonna move on the rest of the show. And then you right. on the line. We probably bring you back on to close the show out there and later. Gotcha. All right, bro. <laughs> right now it is music time again. It is. What we like to call the Wednesday Rewind. The Chancellor of Soul, Mike Boone, is on the line. We're going to get into the first of a few songs that we're going to play tonight, highlighting tonight's spotlighted artist, Curtis Mayfield. And this one comes from the group that he was a part of, The Impressions. People get ready. The 
Neil Phillips Show. I know T. Mitch knows nothing about that. Nothing. Are you there, T. Mitch? I'm here. I was just trying to figure out the right words to say to you because you you do this all the time. Act like I don't know. I'm not even responding to you, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, it's the Neo Soul Show. He's the Q Man. I go by the name T. Mitch. We are blessed to once again, the third Wednesday of the month, to have the chance for old Mike Bone on the line with us. Mike, how you doing tonight? Oh, good evening, gentlemen. How are you? Mike. How are you? Doing absolutely good. Good, good. Let me tell you, T. Mitch doesn't know anything about that, man. <laughs> oh, what, the song or just yep. history in general? <laughs> That era, he don't know nothing about that man. Well, obviously I know nothing of the era. I was barely a twink. My dad was probably still not even realizing he had twinkles in his eyes when that song <laughs> was out. So I don't know about the era, but believe you me, my grandmother 
made sure my mother, if the music was played, I knew of the impression. I definitely knew of Curtis Mayfield. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the smoothest brothers ever, Brad. Say that again. I'm sorry. I said he was one of the smoothest bar- brothers ever. Oh, yeah. One of the greatest songwriters and messenger of our time. You know, he was an innovator. Curtis was one of the most innovative songwriters of all time. You know, and performers, you know, and, uh, yeah, like like you're saying, he started out with the impressions. He really started out with um, Jerry Butler and the impressions in the late 50s. They had a song uh, called For Your Precious Love. That's actually Curtis's first song. He didn't lead, but Jerry Butler led. And that was one of their, you know, million sellers, first million sellers. And, uh, of course, uh, after that, and Curtis and you know uh, the impressions took a break because it was like six of them you know and um, you know with Jerry Butler and then Curtis and Sam and Fred and and the two brothers and so forth you know but um, after the impressions took a break Curtis and and, uh, Jerry went on the road and Jerry he had written some stuff for Jerry you know like uh, he will break your heart and find yourself another girl you know and so forth and then after he toured, Curtis saved money and got back with the impressions and mm-hmm. went to New York and recorded their first uh, main seller, which was Gypsy Woman in 1961. And um, so that was their first main seller. And then after that, they had a few hits after, you know, like sort of moderate hits, not great sellers, but, you know, great songs, you know. And uh, Curtis was doing the style he had used what he took from his gospel roots the call and response where you would the lead singer would say something sing something and then the background would just respond you know mm. and so forth so Curtis which is not, it was new to rhythm and blues at that time but it was nothing new to the gospel anybody who sang gospel it was nothing new you know and that even goes back to the slavery times you know, the call and response is what they call it. So Curtis had kind of innovated that in R&B. And uh, he had a very distinctive guitar uh, playing style also, you know, where uh, he tuned his, you know, his guitar to F sharp using the keys from the piano. And that's where he got his fluent, you know, um guitar riffs and play and so forth so yeah Curtis was a great innovator you know and so many people patted themselves after him you know so yeah he's up there he's one of the greatest let me help you T Mitch because you do know this guy he composed the soundtrack to Superfly that I know Mm-hmm. <laughs> well aware of that. See, stop coming at me like that, man. We're not I'm doing just that this week. I'll you out, man. I let you have that last week with Tammy Terrell. I'm not with you, Mike. So <laughs> one of the questions that I have is, um, I didn't know that Curtis was um partner of uh, well, you know had his own label, Curtis uh, Records. So talk to me a little bit about that. Well, yeah, that's this this the part this is the innovative part of about Curtis Mayfield because he always wanted his own you know, own publishing and own label. So he had learned a lot, you know, from being with uh, ABC Paramount and on the road with Jerry and so forth. He always wanted to be independent. 
And this is what I loved about Curtis. So, yeah, he started Curtis Records in 1968. He had a partner, and it was his manager, uh, Eddie Thomas. And um, they had formed Curtom Records. C-U-R is Curtis's first name, and T-H, you know, Thomas is mm-hmm. taken from Eddie Thomas's name. So they put together Curtom. And um, he started that. And if you notice the astrological signs on the label, or those who are fans of the, of uh, Curtis and the impressions, Curtis uses his uh, astrological sign as Gemini, the two uh-huh. twins. Yes, sir. On there. And uh, so that's, you know, that was his thing. And the motto on there was, We Are Winner, was taken from one of his songs, his many selling songs from 1968 on ABC Paramount. And he just added that motto. You know, to the label. So yeah, that was that that got lifted off the ground in '68, and um, he had a slew of artists on there as well, Major Lance and June Conquest, and also a new and up and coming gentleman that went to Howard University uh, that produced some records with Curtis, and that was Donny Hathaway. Mm-hmm. And uh, Donny Hathaway, um, one of the songs I think we have tonight is a choice of colors. And Donnie Hathaway is playing keyboards and helped produce that song, which was a big million seller in the, in the summer of 1969. And um, a change in Curtis's songwriting as well, because this is where he was trying to uproot African Americans at the time of, you know, when Dr. King was murdered and so forth. You know, where all these crazy things were going on in the country. Curtis was trying to basically uproot African Americans through music, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what he did. You know, he when you heard Curtis Mayfield's songs, it was food for thought all the time. You know, this is what he gave you. So, you know, it was also uprooting too for him to start his own label because he wanted to show that hey, you know, we're not only just singers, but we're entrepreneurs also. And that's exactly what he was, you know, an entrepreneur. So, yeah, Curtin Records was very successful, you know, and had a great run. And, well, since you mentioned it, let's, uh, well, since you both mentioned two songs that we have, why don't we get into a couple of those and then we'll get back and talk a little more. Sounds great. Carl Curtis Mayfield, first we'll play Choice of Colors, and then we'll move right into the song that seems to have awakened Q-Man. We're going to play Superfly <laughs> on the Neo Soul Show.
My theme song. That's the thing. It's also you said every you said in the chat room every time you walk into a room, this should come on. It really should. You know, I'm just saying. So you got any, you got anything you got anything you want to know about Curtis Vicky while we got Mike on the line? Actually, yes. Now I know that um, Curtis Mayfield was. And see, I know some of these things, but I don't know half as much as Mike does. So it's always good to have Mike on the show. Right. So now, I know that Curtis was instrumental, you know, his music with the Impressions during the civil rights movements of the 60s. Mm-hmm. And I know that he had a hand in the black exploitation movies and all. But what what was that period like? When they say that he was... A, a major music force in the civil rights movement of the 60s. Like, what? how did that exactly work? What does that mean exactly? Well, it means that, well, if you notice, basically, if you have seen documentaries like Eyes on the Prize, which I recommend everyone watch when it comes back on uh, 13, whenever they mm-hmm. decide to revive that, and other documentaries where you see the kids singing, gospel songs to uplift them mm-hmm. in whatever uh, conflicts and stuff they're dealing with going to jail and protesting and facing you know these you know adversities that they had to face songs help them ease it's like the, it's like they always saying music calms a savage beast and basically right. that's what music does you know and it helped these uh, the civil rights activists a great deal they would take R&B songs and make it as their own you know mm-hmm. and Curtis Mayfield played in, in, in a pivotal role in the civil rights because People Get Ready is considered one of the you know the architects of that era you mm-hmm. know uh, musically speaking he just had lyrics that uplift you and mm-hmm. this is what people felt you know when they sang one of his songs uh, even um, uh, oh my goodness, what's his name? Um, that worked with Dr. King, um, Andrew Young, mm-hmm. had said that you know Curtis Mayfield played a pivotal role in because these are the songs they would sing during their protests. So they right. would sing "People Get Ready," you know, mm-hmm. and um, "Keep On Pushing." That's another one, you know, mm-hmm. that he wrote. Um, and those songs were very uplifting. And it brought a sense of pride, you know, to a lot of the um, the activists and the people who were involved in, you know, the protests and so forth. So that is the reason, you know, that they considered Curtis Mayfield a pivoted role in the civil rights because of his contribution musically and lyrically mm-hmm. to uplift those people who were going through trying times. Because, I mean, it had to be a very difficult time to stand in line holding signs up and protesting and knowing that the consequences you're going to suffer while you're there you know what I mean so um, it uplifted them you know they said you know uh, we're not going to stop you know we're going to keep on pushing you know what I mean and and we're going to go forward and this is the reason why he wrote another one called We're a Winner that's one of my favorites because he was just trying to uplift and uproot 
the souls of African Americans, us as a people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's what that's why Curtis Mayfield is very important, and that people should know his work and the contribution he made towards you know R and B and pop music, right? All put together. That answer your question, Q? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, it does. Mike is old man. Come on. I just, I just, you know, I knew that, so I just, you I did. Just to let, yeah, I did. I kind of do that. I just kind of, yeah. I, I, I know Curtis very well. Like, you can't study any type of movement from the late fifties to the, the the late 70s and not have heard that music or not understood the impact like I know mm-hmm. it was in the, it's in the movie Glory Road you know um, Alicia mm-hmm. Keys redid mm-hmm. People Get Ready on the mm-hmm. soundtrack so right. music was definitely embedded in, in, the, in the time so I think I knew the music before I even knew the man behind the music mm-hmm. really yeah and then the thing about it, you know, speaking of uprooting, you know, like I mentioned earlier that he was an entrepreneur, you know, and trying to own, you know, your own business and everything. And that's what uh, it was is a very sensitive subject as far as owning your own, as Malcolm X used to say, you know, for African-Americans to own their own property, own their own stores and businesses and whatever. That's what Curtis was trying to imply and say that he wanted to be independent and own his own. So mm-hmm. it was very important, the fact that, you know, of course he had, you know, um, white backers to back him up for Kurtom Records mm-hmm. and so forth, you know, but because uh, Buddha was a distribution. But, uh-huh. um, you know, still, here it is, a black man, you know, speaking, you know, not just talking about Barry Gordy and Motown, which you guys mentioned earlier, but it's just the fact that here it is, this man decides to own his own publishing and own his own label where he can, you know, uh, scout, talent scout other artists and have a workshop, you know, for other songwriters to come and, you know, explore their um, their talents. So he, played, he, he definitely played a pivotal role in the business for African Americans as well, you know. And uh, Superfly was a perfect example because, first of all, what really broke the mold, of course, was the soundtrack Shaft, what Isaac Hayes did in 71. Mm-hmm. And then um, then Curtis came out, and then Marvin Gaye came out with Trouble Man. <clears throat> so it was like an introduction for black composers, because really Quincy Jones started that. You know, he was one of the first to break that, you know, um, that mold in the business. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, you know, and everyone followed afterwards. You know, and uh, as everyone says, the 70s, the black exportation movies, you know, it was very important that black composers compose their own music. And then James Brown came out also with Black Caesar and Slaughter's Big Ripoff. So, you know, Superfly, um, Curtis also, a lot of people don't know that Freddie's Dead was was also going to be nominated for an Oscar. But what happened was, is that in the movie, the instrumental was played. So... Sadly, Curtis didn't get nominated, mm. and he should have gotten nominated for that, you know, that masterpiece soundtrack. T. Mitch, yes, sir. Mike mentioned Black Caesar. Do you know what actor played Black Caesar? <laughs> um, that's not what we're discussing tonight. Just a yes or no question, brother. Who is Black Caesar? Um, 
I would say Isaac Hayes, but... Come on, man. Fred the Hammer Williamson is Black Caesar. Don't make me think Okay. Didn't know that. I thought I'm going to get you, sucker. Anyway, Mike. <laughs> Wait. Tell us, tell yeah, us about... I, I got one final thing for you, T-Mitch. Okay, go ahead. You said you know Curtis Mayfield. So yes, I do. Tell Mike and myself, when his career began in 1956, what was the name of the group he joined? And then, then we're finished. Tell you the name of the group he joined in 1956? The first group he joined, T-Mitch. You, you talking about that sound that you hear on the farm? T-Mitch. By that, that animal that wakes everybody up, the roosters? You know what you're talking about? So, Mike, the last thing I wanted to talk with you about was the, his last album, New World Order, right before you know the diabetes really yes. kicked in and, 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 and took him. Just what, do you remember what it was like around that time, and, and just talk to us a little bit about that album. Uh, yeah, it was like a it was supposed to be really comeback album, and um, yeah, that's well, actually, I was supposed to have been in that concert where he was where he got hurt at in Brooklyn, where it caused his his paralyzed him being paralyzed. Uh, I was at a show a month before that in in Central Park where he gave the best performance I have you know in years. Um, while in the wheelchair, Curtis, you know, yeah, he de- developed diabetes and he got sicker and whatever. And um, yeah, he was trying to make a comeback with this last album, and which is really a it's really a great album. You know, I recommend it for everyone's uh, collection. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was like his last, you know, uh, craft, and that he was just trying to give out to the world and so forth. But yeah, it, it was a very good album. I thought it was, you know. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Mike? Yes. You've done it again. Oh, thank you very much. You have educated us. Thank I've you. learned a little bit more about Curtis Mayfield that I didn't know. Mm, I'm glad. And you always get me, because I think I, like, there's certain people, like last week with Tammy Terrell, I think I know everything about her, and you showed me that I didn't. Oh, really? Humbling. Oh, I'm glad. But it's great. It's great, though. Education is great. It really is. So we, we appreciate you coming on again and, and putting it down and educating everybody on another person that they definitely should know about. We appreciate it, Mike. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me tonight. I really enjoyed it. Of course. And we look, we look forward to, to talking with you again next month. Uh, keep an eye on our Facebook and our Twitter. We'll let you guys know who Mike and uh, Q and myself will be spotlighting next month on the Wednesday Rewind. Again, Mike, thank you again for joining us tonight. Thank you. Uh, so, shout out to the entire XDL family, Sister Sweet, um, everybody in the chat room, The Ox, Madison Media Live, all of our guests, the CEO, Ray Farrell, and all of our listeners, no matter where you are or how you're listening. And as my uncle would say, every week, so we will be back next week where we will try and do better. So, once again, on behalf of the XDL family, he's the Q man. I go by the name T Mitch. See you all next week. Yeah, Have a good night. Good night.